0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pastor Farrell Shepherd of the Island Ford Baptist Church in Madisonville, Kentucky. And I'd like to welcome you to another Sending Forth a Light radio broadcast. This broadcast is for Tuesday, October 24th. I trust you're having a great day in the Lord and enjoying the blessings of God. They are all around us. Amen. Thank God for His goodness and His many, many blessings. Well, we began a message on yesterday that we're going to complete today. It's a two-day sermon, and we've had to do that this week because of our Radio Marathon starting up tomorrow. And so I hope you'll make plans for that and pray for us about that as well. We need all the help we can get on this upcoming Radio Marathon. So we've got a two-day message, and we're going to complete that on today's broadcast I do want you to pray for Brother Hall and Mrs. Hall. Brother Hall's going on that honor flight tomorrow, Brother Hall and Brother Bale. And then Brother Bale is planning on driving them in from Springfield on Thursday and pray for them about all that, as well as many other prayer requests we've got going on. Before we go to the message, I've got a song here queued up by the Sislaw family entitled, For All He's Done. All right. As I said on yesterday's broadcast, we are looking at a two-day sermon. Yesterday we began it. Today we will continue and complete the sermon. A two-day sermon entitled Waiting for an Upper Room Experience. We're looking at quite a few verses in Acts chapter number one and then the first six verses of Acts chapter number two. We'll have that Bible reading again today and a little bit of the introduction. And I'm going to get to the four points that we're going to be dealing with on today's broadcast. Those people in that upper room were people, number one, that called on God. Number two, they were concerned for God. Number three, they were contrite before God. And number four, they were confessing to God. And I believe we're going to have to do all that. We're going to have to call on God. We're going to have to get concerned about our need. We're going to have to get contrite before God and confess to God about our need before we'll ever see God move in a mighty way. And we need that in this day more than ever. So, I hope you'll stay tuned and enjoy the message as it was preached live from the pulpit of the Island Ford Baptist Church in Madisonville, Kentucky. In Acts chapter number one, and I'm going to do quite a bit of reading tonight. I'll not preach long. At least I don't think it'll be long, but I'm going to read a while. Alright. <laughs> that puts you all, makes you nervous, don't it? I know it does. Amen. Makes you nervous. Well Acts seven number one, verse number one, the Bible says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus both uh, began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles, whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. I underline that phrase. Wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as they went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen Him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord and supplication with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. I underline that phrase. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. I also underline verse number 8 where he said, But ye shall receive power. Jump to chapter number 2 and verses 1 through 6, Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. I'm preaching tonight on this thought. Waiting For an upper room experience. We need the fire of God in our soul. We need the fire of God on our life. We need the fire of God in our services. Amen. Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Amen. That is an answer to prayer. Men prayed in the Old Testament and the fire failed. Men prayed in the New Testament and the Holy Ghost failed. Amen. I'm saying we need that in our day. We need to be calling. That's what they were doing. They were calling on God. Amen. We're living in a day, if you've got a problem, you just ask Google. Instead of ask God. Google's got a lot of answers, but they don't have all the answers. God's got all the answers. Amen. James chapter number 5 and verse number 16. Another verse you know well. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. I'm talking about calling on God. Prayer still works in 2019. Amen. Prayer still works if we'll just use it. Amen. Down through history. God has moved when people would unite in prayer. Amen. Our nation has had days of fasting and prayer. Our presidents in the past have called on national mourning, days of national mourning and weeping before God. I understand that that's all past now because they've thrown God out of our, out of our nation, out of our history. If they can, they're doing their best to. But I'm telling you that in the past that we have seen God move, or we have heard, we have read, our nation has seen God move in answer to prayer. God help us. That You say, could God move for us? Sure, if we pray. Amen. I do believe that. We'll call on God for an awakening. Call on God for a stirring of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need that this day. Certainly we need that. You know the famous text, If my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. I do believe that the Holy Ghost comes upon people that are praying. I believe He uses praying people. When people begin to pray, God begins to work. I believe that. You've heard the saying, the devil trembles when he sees the weakest of saints on his knees. Amen. The devil knows the power of prayer. Amen. And I say this about our God. God has done it in the past and He can do it again. I believe that. Amen. He can. These were people that called on God. Number two, these were people that were concerned for God. These men and women in that upper room were careful to obey the commandment of the Lord Jesus. He told them to go there at Jerusalem. They went out of Jerusalem, outside the city, when our Lord ascended into heaven. And immediately after He ascended, they went back into Jerusalem, right where He told them to go. They didn't leave that city, they stayed there. Now listen, just think rationally. If they've killed the Lord, and they're looking to kill His servants... Where's the most dangerous spot they could be? Jerusalem. The Jews are the ones that had stirred all that up. And the Jews are the ones that were in control of that. And and, and in control of that city. In control of that region. And yet there they are. And they're in that upper room. Amen. They're right there where they'd had that. That uh, Passover, the Lord's Supper, in that upper room. Right, that we'd say the very. The, by the way, Judas knew where that room was. He had been there, then he had left and went and betrayed the Lord. You remember that? So these men were in in a very dangerous. Why were they there? I'll tell you why. Because there's trust in God. There's believing in God. There's obeying God. Amen. They were trying to obey the commands of the Savior. Now, you know, if you read all of chapter 1, I skipped some verses there. They, they elect somebody to take the place of Judas. And why, what are they doing? They're trying to keep the business of the Lord going. He told them, don't leave here. But they knew they had a work to do. They're trying to do what they can do. And they're, they're interested in the business of God. Amen. We need to do that. We need to be interested in it. These men knew that they were inadequate. They didn't have the power to go to the nations. They didn't have the power even to cover Jerusalem, let alone all Judea. Then Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, they knew they were inadequate. But they was waiting on God to make them adequate. Amen. God was going to empower them. That's what He had promised. And so they longed for God to make them adequate, that they might turn the world upside down. And they did by waiting on God. Amen. Amen. I ask this question, and I'm, I move on to the next one. Are we concerned about our Father's business? Or are we just concerned about our business? Or maybe we're concerned about everybody else's business. Amen. We ought to be concerned about our Father's business. Do we have time for God? Are we concerned about the low state of the spirituality of our own church? Amen. We can, we can blast other churches. What about our church? Amen. Are we concerned about the low state of spirituality in our own family? Amen. How about the low state of Christianity in our own heart? Amen. Their own life. They were people calling on the Lord. They were people concerned for God. Number three, they were contrite before God. Amen. They were contrite before God. Now, I want you to think about it. Here's these people in the upper room. Who are these men? Some of these are the very disciples that slept while our Lord prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. They were asleep. He gave them a command. He said, watch and pray. He didn't do either one. They went to sleep. I don't think there's up there saying, Praise God, I'd like to catch me another nap. No, I think there's up there saying, Lord, I'm sorry I went to sleep on You. I think there's a contract about that. We were sleeping while, while our Lord was being betrayed. We were sleeping while our Lord was was in anguish of soul. While our Lord was bearing that burden, we were asleep. Not only men in that upper room that had fallen asleep, there were men in that upper room that had fled when the soldiers came. They ran. There was at least one man in that upper room that denied he even knew the Lord, cursed and denied that he knew the Lord. Now, here's what I think. I don't believe this moment in that upper room. I don't believe they're in there arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven anymore. I believe they're past that. Peter might have thought he was going to be the greatest, but now after he's denied the Lord and cursed, he don't feel that way anymore. Amen. John and James want to be on his right hand and on his left hand. Now they they feel like failures too. They all feel like failures. they're, they're contract. Here's, here's the way I'm going with that. I don't believe in that upper room that Peter is pointing his finger at John and pointing out John's sin. No, Peter's concerned about his own sin. I don't believe John's looking over his shoulder wondering what Thomas is going to do. John's more concerned about what John's going to do and how that John needs the power from God. Amen. These men are there and they're noticing their own failures I believe they're they're telling God they're sorry for their weakness. And they're asking God for strength. I believe they're telling God they're sorry for their sin. And they're asking God for forgiveness. I believe they're telling God they're sorry for their failure. And they're asking God to make them successful for the glory of God. Amen. They're contract before God. And I believe if we're going to really do business with God, we're going to have to get honest with God and confess our failures, our weaknesses and our sins. Number four, not only were they calling on God and they were concerned for God and they were contrite before God, this ties with it. They were confessing to God. Amen. Again, I go back to that. I don't think they're pointing fingers at one another. I don't think they're looking over their shoulder at one another. I don't think they're worried about everybody else. You remember Peter tried that there towards the end in John chapter 20, I believe it is. Uh, might be 21, and he said to the Lord, What about John? What about this man? And our Lord, in a real nice way, said, Mind your own business, Peter. And I don't think they're doing that now. I think they're not criticizing each other. They're praying together. They're confessing their faults one to another, as James said to do, and praying for one another. Amen. They're asking God to give them strength. Amen. Here's another quote that I got from Ravenhill. I thought it was really good. He said, Here's a classic example of God's people. Called by His name, humbling themselves and seeking His face. And God in turn hearing them and sending them through an otherwise paralyzed arm, a wave of supernatural power. They waited on the Lord and renewed their strength. Amen. Listen to this. He said today... No one has time to wait. No one has time to wait. Some argue that there's no need to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit because He has already been given. And Ravenhill says, I'm sure they're right. But I am equally sure that there is a need to wait so that we can take a Spirit-conducted tour around our own hearts. Amen. He said this, In this evil hour of aggressive atheistic philosophy and passive Christianity, so-called We need a Mordecai with a broken heart, but a resolute will to lead us all in sackcloth and ashes. Amen. I just read through the book of Esther just last week, I guess it was. And I'm reminded again, there's Mordecai, a great man, a man of esteem in the palace. And yet he humbled himself before God. And when Hannah said, here's some clothes, he said, I'm not putting those clothes on. I'm putting ashes on myself and I'm weeping and begging. Why? For his people he was concerned. Amen. God help us to get concerned for our people. I thought about Nehemiah. Again, another man in the king's court. A man of esteem, a man of some position. And yet when he heard that the gates were destroyed and the walls were falling down and that the city was burned with fire and the people were in such sad, sad state, Nehemiah called on the Lord. Amen. You know what we do? We just complain about it. I'm saying we. I'm not fussing at you. If we're not careful, all we do is complain about the problems of our world. And there's plenty to complain about. But it does do us better to talk to the Lord about it. Pray and call on God. Amen. Amen. Here's what... Raven Hill said that struck, this, this was a quote I wanted to write down. He said, God pity us that we have left the upper room with its fire, and became the church with the supper room. Just smoke. But Lord help us. You say, preacher, are you talking to me? I'm talking to every one of us. If there's ever a time when we ought to get serious with God, we're praying about world missions. We're going to do some of that in a little bit. Listen, what about Madisonville? What about your family, my family? What about people sitting on these pews? Amen. What about our services? Amen. Most of you know me enough to know that I, I am I, I am somewhat ritualistic. I get a I don't say a habit, but I, I get a I, I form a schedule and I stick somewhat to that schedule. But if all it is is just like praying the rosary, just going through the actions, that's all it is. What good are we doing? We might as well join the Catholic Church. We might as well be talking to Buddha or or whatever. Amen. Amen. The truth, what I'm preaching here, is that I believe what, what uh, Ravenhill said is an accurate description of modern Christianity. Matter of fact, I think it's an accurate description of the average Christian. May even be an accurate description of the majority of us that we've left that upper room and the fire of God. I like suppers. I don't enjoy just smoke. I want the fire of God. I want the presence of God in our services. Amen. You say, Preacher, what are you asking us to do? I'm asking us to pray. That's what these men were doing. That's, amen. Go in that upper room and pray. Are we, are we willing to acknowledge our prayerlessness? Are we, we amen. Are we willing to acknowledge our powerlessness? That we're just limp. That, that we're just powerless. Just paralyzed almost. And you say, what can we do? We can call on God. It's not in our power, but it is in God's power. And I do believe that we'll call on God. Just what He said, God hungry men, find God. Ye shall find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. Call unto me and I will answer thee. And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh unto thee. Amen. Doesn't matter what year it is. Doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter who's running against who's in the White House. It matters who's in the prayer closet. It matters who's on the throne. If we're trusting Him, amen. Are we willing to call on God? Are we willing to humble ourselves under His mighty hand? Will we wait on God like the day of Pentecost, that God might send the Holy Ghost power of revival. They stand to our feet, heads bowed and eyes closed as they come with a song. And that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. Hope you'll tune in this same time every Monday through Friday for another Sending Forth the Light radio broadcast. Until then, this is Pastor Farrell Shepherd saying good day and God bless you.